Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. The baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Ever equipping God as I speak, may you increase and I decrease. May the words you have given me for this message be seeds which rest upon our hearts that we might bear fruit for you. May I be bold and courageous in speaking what it is you've given me to speak. And may we as your people have ears that hear. Would you travel with me back to a time when the family gathered in the main room of the house and there was a console there that had two wires we called rabbit ears sticking up and tin foil wrapped around one of them to tune things in. And it was the family hour of the household and we heard things like it was a time for bubble machines and champagne music. And we heard a famous man who was German accent and he was from South Dakota and he said a one and a two. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? The Lawrence Welk Show. Anybody ever watch the Lawrence Welk Show? I remember gathering in my family's living room. I was just a, I was a young, young man back then. And I remember watching it and they would sing that song. Adios, au revoir, adiosin, good night. And then the singers would turn to one another and they would grab one another and they would begin to waltz. And they would dance and they would dance on that ballroom and bubbles were and champagne music played in the background. Good days. And my heart gets warm when I think about that because there was nothing I wanted more than to be able to dance like they danced. To dance with that spirit of movement that joined two people and then those two people became a part of a bigger Bigger stage, and then the bigger stage got bigger, and, and, the, and the orchestra was in the back. People always proclaimed that Lawrence Welk's music sounded like champagne music. Hence, back in 1938, he just tagged his group, the Champagne Music Makers. And then when they went on television live, they became just champagne music. And they were on television live from 1955 to 1982. And there were 62 individuals who made up champagne music. 
62 individuals that that brought that feeling that you just experienced remembering that in your life, uh, brought that feeling of goodness and wholeness and that everything was right in the world. They brought that feeling that for me, well, that means it's almost bedtime and I'm fixing to go to sleep. But I knew I was about to be tucked into a bed that was warm and, and, and parents who loved me. And I was secure and all would be good. 62 individuals just in Champaign music, the, the orchestra, that played together to bring that to us. A memory, a feeling, an understanding that we, those who've experienced, will never forget. It's what God asked from us. Is to somewhere find our place, to somewhere find and understand who we are as a child of God. Some of us have just wonderful, wonderful musical gifts. Some of us have wonderful musical voices. Some of us have our leaders and some of us are followers and some of us are organizers and and some of us are disruptors. and, And we go on and on in how we would describe ourselves. But we have a role. But to have that role in the message of God, we have to understand who we are and whose we are. I can promise you that when when that orchestra, whether he was present or whether he wasn't present, whenever those words were spoken, a one and a two, they knew it was time. There was no backing up. There was no checking the sheet music. There was no clearing your spit valves on your instrument. There was nothing. It was time. Because they knew without their participation, that peace would not be a success. We find ourselves in the Bible today where Jesus encounters John at the Jordan. John, who's been in the wilderness preaching the gospel, preaching that the time is now you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. Not eternal sin, but for sin right then. And he's talking about one who's going to come that's greater than he. And he comes face to face with Jesus. Now, I want you to think about this. We, we just celebrated the baby Jesus. And now we encounter Jesus today and he's 33 years old. I've often wondered in my mind, why did it take Jesus three decades to understand he needed to be baptized? I don't know that answer, okay? I don't. I've read a zillion things. Nobody knows that answer. But what we know is that when Jesus came to the understanding that it was, t- it was time, he sought out John. And that John met him in the Jordan at the place of baptism. People flock there by the thousands to go and be baptized where Jesus was baptized. I mean, you can buy a ticket right now to a trip to the Holy Lands and you can go to the place where Jesus was baptized. But what's important about that moment is you need to understand without them accepting their role, we wouldn't have that moment. If you understand, John argued with Jesus. What did he say? I'm not worthy. Isn't that what he said? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to baptize you. I wonder how many times God moves in our lives. 
God calls us into relationship. God wants us to affirm that we are a child of God and we use John's excuse. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. You could ask me to dance on the Lawrence Welk show and back in the day I would have said I'm not worthy. Now that I'm old enough, I might could do it. (laughs) But back then I would have said I'm not worthy. Because we hold that relationship at such high esteem. We hold that responsibility, at least I hope you hold that relationship at such high esteem that you don't feel worthy. But it's not because of what you've done in your life that you qualify yourself not worthy. Or it shouldn't be. Because God calls us God's own. And when God invites us to a relationship through Jesus Christ... God's asking us to fulfill a role that's designed for us. That's designed specifically for us. John. Jesus comes to John and says, now is the time for you to baptize me. John says, why do you come to me? I am not worthy. And Jesus says to him, it is to be done that way. Accept your role. How many of you remember your baptism? When we remember our baptism, we remember that we accepted our role to be a child of God. And when we accepted our role to be a child of God, we didn't have a roadmap. John had no idea when he went into the wilderness preaching the coming of the Messiah, that someday he would be standing on the banks of the Jordan and baptizing the Messiah. He had no idea, but what he did say to God was, okay, I'm in this moment. I'm in this moment. Now, I'm going to tell you I was blessed. I grew up with a mother and father that could match those dance moves on Lawrence Welk all day long. And I can remember dancing with my mother. I would try to wiggle my hips and she would tell me not to be quite so jazzy. She would ask me to be a little more firm in holding her. She taught me what it meant to move my right hand a little and move my left hand. She taught me how to waltz. She taught me how to ballroom dance. She taught me how to jitterbug, even though, can you imagine a 12-year-old jitterbugging with his mother at what we called the Amarillo Club? It was holy time, but I had to learn what it meant to be a partner, to be an equal partner and to lead and to hear the music, and to know the steps, and to be gentle with the people you were dancing with because they might not exactly follow everything you asked them to do. They might not know your cues. And that you had to have patience. My mother had the greatest patience. And she would dance, and I would mess it up, and she would just stop, and we would get the beat again, and we would start again, and time, and time, and time again. My mother allowed me to grow into that role of being able to say, Mom, would you like to waltz? And never miss a beat. That's what God wants from us as a child of God. God wants us to come to a moment of where we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of our life. And we're willing to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You see, John's baptism was a baptism for sin. For the forgiveness of sin at that day. John, John didn't have the power that Jesus had. Now when Jesus was baptized... The power of the Holy Spirit came upon him. 
When you and I are baptized, we're baptized for the forgiveness of eternal sin, but we're also baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon us. And what that means is God is with us. From that very first day when God calls us, that very first day when the Spirit prompts us to say, I believe in Jesus. And we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, whether it be in a horse tank or a river or a formal baptistry or sprinkled in the hospital or wherever it may be or however it may be. God is present with us and we're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can grow and move forward. That we can learn the steps of what it means to be in relationship with God. That we, the people of God, can come together in our baptism. One of the beautiful things about disciples of Christ, the Christian church disciples of Christ, is that we agree to disagree. That's one of our founding principles, is that we agree to disagree. We always come together in the name of Jesus. That's the one thing we don't disagree on. We agree that Jesus is the Christ, but you want to argue on some theological point or some interpretation of scripture, or you want to discuss, or I shouldn't say argue, we don't argue the text, do we? And one of our founding principles is we agree to disagree. You know, my sister flew me one time, she had a Cow Omega formal, and she flew me to Fort Worth, Texas so that I could be her dance partner. It was during the urban cowboy days. And she wanted me to be her dance partner that night. It was a country and western theme, and the Kai Omegas and I think the Lambda Kai's were having a big party. And, and I flew into Fort Worth, Texas in my boots and my Wranglers and my Stetson, and, and I got off the plane and I went, and, and they started playing the music. And I watched people dance, and they didn't dance right. At least they didn't dance the way I knew how to dance. They did the two steps sideways, and the two steps meant to be front to back. You know, and, and they just really messed up the waltz the same way. You know, they had bought into the urban cowboy thing and were doing all that stuff. And my sister said, I'd get on the dance floor and people would go in the wrong way, and I'm just like, this is ridiculous. They weren't doing things the way I wanted them done. Church? They weren't being in relationship with God the way I want them to be in relationship, right? They weren't worshiping the same way I want them to worship. They weren't singing my favorite song. They weren't preaching my favorite text. They weren't, right? And what happens instead of being a church that's united, we become a church that's divided. I didn't care if I ever went to Fort Worth to dance again. Some people don't care if they ever come into church again. Because we, the body of Christ, who claim our baptism in Jesus... God's called us to a role and then we've taken that role and we've placed ownership on that role and we've said it has to be done our way. God didn't design us that way. Do you know how diverse humanity is? Look around this room. We have young people, we have old people, we have people from different races, different relationships. And we're just a small inkling and a small sampling. But I promise you, if we sit down with one another, we're going to discuss some theological issues. And there's going to be people who are theologically to the left of sinner. And there are going to be people who are theologically to the right of sinner in this very room. Does that mean we don't love each other? 
Does that mean that we're going to deny our baptism in Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit because we want to stand firm on some theological issue that really doesn't matter? We're going to deny the whole Christ concept. We're going to deny our relationship with God, our, the ownership that God put on us as child of God, the creation that God put in us as child of God, because we want to stand over to the right too far or we want to stand over to the left too far, if that's your understanding. I just had a conversation this week with a leader in the church, and we sat in my office for an hour. And we talked about this very denomination, because the, in the news, I don't know if you're reading the news, but there are church denominations splitting The body of Christ is separating. And we're supposed to be one of the most progressive and innovative denominations because we agree to disagree. But we find our centrality in the Christ. We find our child of God ownership, our child of God creatorship in the centrality of the Christ. But yet we want to split. I mean, even our own denomination, those who are to the left of center and those who are to the right of center, we don't make room for those who are on either side. That's not what Jesus did that day in the Jordan. He went to John who had a completely different understanding of what baptism was. And he brought his understanding of baptism into that moment. And he said to John, John, would you baptize me, please? And at first, John said, I'm not worthy, trying to make his own qualifications. But yet John was born a child of God, just like you and I are. John was called into the ministry to proclaim Jesus, just like you and I are. And God opened John's eyes to new interpretation of what the text said when Jesus came upon him and asked to be baptized in the Jordan. And John relented and said, okay. May, though I may not really understand what's going on here. God, I don't understand all about your diversity of creation. God, I don't understand all about the telling of your text. God, I'm not sure I understand exactly what this scripture says. God, I don't know where I'm supposed to stand on this political issue. God, I don't know how I'm supposed to love my neighbor. But God, I know one thing and I know I'm your child. And that I'm baptized in your name, the same name that my brother who disagrees with me was baptized in. And that we need to come together in the name of Jesus to lift up this world so that we can love one another as God has called us to love. We were not born to separate. We were born to unite. We were born to love the diversity. If we were all the same, we couldn't reach everybody. If we all thought the same, we couldn't reach everybody. If we all acted the same, we couldn't reach everybody. You know how many people I taught how to dance right in that bar that night? God wants us to embrace the centrality of the baptism of Jesus. God wants us to find ourselves on that dance floor with a partner no matter how awkward it is. Have you ever danced with the Holy Spirit? Have you ever stopped long enough in your life to quit trying to define who you think God is or who you think Jesus is or who you think your brother thinks somebody should say something about their relationship and their family and what all's going on? Have you stopped long enough to let God move in that moment? It's frustrating to walk in this world and say, love one another. And all we do as human beings is put down God and put down our relationships with one another because we're not worthy. We are worthy 
Because when we were baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when we said to God, yes, I believe that your Son is the Messiah. Yes, I believe in the redemptive power of Jesus as the Christ. Yes, I confess that I am yours, God. Do with me as you wish. God did not get out a scroll and stand up and start to check off every bad thing that God was forgiving us for. I don't want that in my life. Do you want it in yours? God sent the Holy Spirit in the form of a beautiful white dove. And he came upon that moment and the voice spoke. Now, we can argue that point. We can argue. God's never spoke from heaven. I've never heard an articulate voice of God. What do you, how do you think God speaks? Folks, the text says God spoke however you envision it. However you envision it, use your imagination. God spoke. God is a great God. God is a, great, a diverse God. If God speaks in a woman's voice, let God speak in a woman's voice. If God speaks in the voice of James Earl Jones, let him speak. What he said was, this is my son. When you're baptized, he says, this is my daughter. This is my son. You are my partner. Let's dance. Go with me in all that you take me where you go. Show me to everybody else. Love others like I've loved you. We're gods. How do we forget that on Monday morning? How do we forget that when we want to walk into a facility and take lives? How do we forget that when we want to demean one another because they don't have what we have? How do, we want to, how do we forget that when we want to interpret Scripture so that it offends other people? That's not what the story's about. The story's about us loving one another. And I don't care if you're to the right of center or to the left of center. The story doesn't change. If you're to the left, make room for the right. If you're to the right, make room for the left. It doesn't change who you are. To say that you're not in the journey the same place they're in the journey? Because you're all in the journey and you're children of God. You're children of God. This is my son. This is my daughter. And with him I am pleased. I read a female scholar this week. I wish I knew her well enough to pick up the phone and call her. Because she said God was not overjoyous about the baptism of Jesus. She said that it wasn't that important that his son heard that the father was pleased. Children, male and female alike, how important is it that your parents say they are pleased with you? Would you raise your hand? Is it important to you that your mother or your father, whichever one is significant to you, has said that they are pleased with you? Do you know how many people I talk to who are in a wreck in their life and you want to know where it started? My mom never said she loved me. My dad never said he was proud of me. We live in this world because we want our biological parents to be proud of what they've produced. 
What about God? What about our relationship with our eternal parent? When we say yes, when we accept Jesus as the Christ, God jumps for joy. And says, I am pleased. Be where you are in the journey. But God is pleased with you. Live in your baptism. Dial in those rabbit ears. Adjust that little aluminum you have to put for an extension on your antenna. Turn the little dial on the front of the console so that the black and white gets straightened out. Whatever you have to do in your relationship with God, remember that you have been baptized in the family of believers and the ones that God has created and that God is calling you into service and calling you to change the world by loving others. And it's a movement that begins when we start to work together. And when we start to work together and we start to proclaim the gospel in spite of what our individual interpretations or opinions are. When we start to live into the gospel, we hear the grand maestro. And he pulls us together as the body of Christ, using all of our diversity to reach out to those that are around us. And he calls us into that moment. And you hear the bubble, you see the bubbles begin to flow. And you hear the magic words of the maestro as he says, these are my children with whom I am well pleased. And he says, a one and a two. And off we go. The body of Christ. Claiming Jesus as Savior. Into the world so that all people may know that they are loved. Let us go.